Hey, everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. And I'm sitting here again in the chicken coop at Coxcomb, uh, which is our tiny little office above the restaurant up some folding crazy stairs with uh, the famous tattoo artist. I say famous because I think he's pretty damn genius at what he does. But uh, I'm here with Jeff Croce. Uh, For those of you who have not seen his artwork, you should. It's incredible. He is basically the person that every tattoo artist wants to go to to get their work done by. Thank you. You know, so um, Jeff, you come to the restaurant a lot. You have been a longtime guest of ours from back in the Encanto days. Yeah, absolutely. I loved going there. And um, you and I originally started talking uh, when we first met about Mm -hmm. salami. Yeah, absolutely. So you make you hunt. You're an avid hunter. I do. Yeah, Uh, you're a bow hunter. Um, But you make salami at home. I do. It's, uh, you know, I started out making gravlocks, and then I was like, well, fuck it. If I can make gravlocks, I can make bacon. And then I started looking around online, and I was like, well, fuck it. If I can make bacon, I can make lonza and brazala. And I just went down the, down the rabbit hole from there. And then, you know, it's a good way to preserve uh, game meat and stuff like that. And so here we are. That's so funny. I remember you were like, what book should I read? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was like I gave you a laundry list of stuff to look at. And ever since then, it's just been constant. You're like, this looks good, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. I remember you getting photos and like questions and stuff all the time. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, your career, how you've gotten to where you are and what made you start tattooing? What was it that drew you into, you know, putting ink on flesh? Well, I guess going way back, one of my dad's best friends uh, from high school, they're still friends, he's still part of the family, uh, was covered in tattoos from Lyle Tuttle um, back in the day. He worked Iconic. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, he he took care of Lyle Tuttle's tattoo museum when it was over by the old uh, Greyhound station, I believe, off of 6th Street. And so there was just this guy, and he was fucking cool. And (laughs) he had tattoos, and he ran the Olympic torch. And he was in a, or he still is, in a uh, Scottish uh, bagpipe band. And uh, he did bird of, ray, bird of Prey rehabilitation for the San Francisco Zoo also, but covered in tattoos. Wow. Yeah, amazing dude. So, I mean, you've seen a transition in, at least I, I'm assuming, because I've seen it myself as a kid growing up in New England, where in Rhode Island tattoos were legal, where in Massachusetts they were illegal. So everybody would come into Rhode Island, into Newport, Rhode Island to get tattoos. And, but you've, I mean, would you agree that there's been a massive transition in the thought process behind having a tattoo from when back in the day when, you know, we were kids, it was looked at as sailors, bikers, oh, prison. Yeah. yeah now yeah. it's like, I saw a really funny article uh, the other day that said, Heavy metal band complains, tired of being asked which restaurant they're the chef of. Oh, man. That, is, that is no joke. <laughs> it was like my, the high, I was dying laughing. I thought that was the funniest thing I'd seen in years. Yeah, you, you can't be a chef that's not pretty heavily tattooed. It's just not a thing anymore. <laughs> well, they, I, and I think, I think it's interesting because do, it doesn't make you a better cook. Right. Absolutely not. And I think there's a perception that like I have to and, you know, I think for you, you must see a whole slew, a variation of different guests coming through your your tattoo shop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. People that have distinct ideas and then people who are not quite sure what they want. Right. And some people, they come because like they come to your restaurant because they want to eat your food. And some people come to me because they just want me to do my thing. And some people have a very specific idea and we do that, too. So, so I'm the guy who comes and says, I have a specific idea. Are you like, Ugh, I just want to do what I want to do. No, not at all. I want my, I want to give you the best tattoo that I can. Sometimes we got to shape those ideas or reshape them a little bit to make the thing work out really well. It depends on what the tattoo is too. Like, you know, you have a butter knife, you know, a, a silverware set on your forearm there. That's pretty cut and dried, but other times, you know, you got to, you got to work with the recipe to make the the thing work for the person. 
what is like so you had this this guy that was like so important as a as a young man you you saw him completely covered in tattoos changed your vision of what tattooing is and how did you transition from that to the skill set you have now because it's not a cut and dry thing to get where you are i mean there's practice there's drawing there's there's a lot to be said to get to have the ability that you have and i think that to me is what's extremely interesting about what you do it's a craft absolutely as much as it's an art it's a craft yeah and it's not something that happens overnight no and i think not. we see so many things on tell like ink master and oh, all yeah. those shows and it's everybody has a different style mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with one style comparative to the other and i think it's the same thing in food right but it takes a certain amount of time energy and effort and the legs to stand on to be where you are now. So can you explain to all the listeners how you got to this point? Like, what did it, what was it that you were learning? I mean, did you take art classes? Did you, cause yeah. people, people want to understand how in the hell does ink work in skin? How do you transition that a visual piece of paper to what looks 10 to almost, I would say the majority of the time you can make it look 10 times better on skin than you can then you see it on the paper because how the muscle moves, how the skin right. looks. And that takes a lot of time. And, and that tattooing is my primary medium. I, I learned to draw because I wanted to tattoo. Um, I wasn't an artist. I was a super hyperactive school doodler, but I really wanted to go into biology. And I was working in uh, emergency psychiatric care. I did that for five years. And on my way home from work there was a tattoo shop and i was getting tattooed you know as a young punk rocker skateboarder kid gotta have tattoos i think we there's a that's going to be the one connecting piece i think through all of these interviews that i'm doing yeah skateboarding has some place in all of it oh yeah yeah it's amazing it's a, it's amazing how many people i meet like yourself too like everyone's like oh man i just was so obsessed with skateboarding and uh same thing here and um I started lurking around this guy's shop and he wasn't a good tattooer, but I went there and I made myself useful. And I had a little bit of drawing ability just from being a doodler. And, uh, you know, sometimes somebody would come into his shop. He was a one man show and he would be tattooing. And this person, I the one, the one that I really remember was just a, a honeybee. This gal came in and she said she wanted a honeybee. And I was like, Hey, you want me just to draw it for you? And he was like, ah, uh, yeah, bro. He was like this, yeah, bro, biker guy. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, I whipped up a fucking little honeybee for him and he was like, well, I didn't know you could do that. And I was like, well, yeah, it's not that big a deal. Like, and, you know, gave it to him and he tattooed it on this lady, you know, an hour or so later. And I just kept lurking around there, running errands and doing little drawings when I could. And finally he asked me, uh, well, my goal was I was going to make myself useful till he had to hire me. And that's what I did. That's the true stage mentality. The same thing in a kitchen. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's, you know, you've now, how many years have you been tattooing? Uh, the June 14th, a couple weeks ago, I was, uh, had my 22nd anniversary. Wow. Yeah. And you've, you've tattooed all over the world. Uh, I wouldn't say I've tattooed all over the world, all over the U.S. I mean, you were in Chicago, you tattooed. I've tattooed in Boston and Chicago and. Oregon and Canada and uh, a few times in Canada. I tattooed out on Vancouver Island uh, in Nanaimo. It was amazing. It was one of the best experiences. Do you have favorite pieces you've ever done? Is there stuff that's so inspiring that people really come to you and you're like, this is something that's over my head or something that's like, do you ever have those moments? Yeah. Sometimes I'll do something and... I just feel like everything came together and it looks so right on the person and I can give myself a big pat on the back for it afterwards. But the real key is like when I look at those ones a year later or, you know, a couple years later, I'm like, damn, that was still good. As opposed to, you know, sometimes you look at something, and you're like, oh, I've learned something new since then. I wish I had done it a little differently or something like that, you know, because you always want to be progressing. But sometimes some things are just they they end up being a leap ahead on their own what do you see now as since the introduction of ink master and this competitive tattooing do you 
like that? Do you think it's a good thing for the industry as a whole for tattooing? Or do you find it to be... Do you think it has the same effect as we as chefs do where it can have a downward spiral to it as well as it has a positive? It's yeah. made tattoos more approachable for mm -hmm. the public. They're not as scared of them. I mean, my mom has tattoos. I remember when I first got mine, she I thought she was going to beat me to death. And then now <laughs> she's like, look what I got. I, come over, I haven't oh, seen her. Where'd you get that? You know, but it's changed. I think it's changed the dynamic. And I think cooking TV has done that for cooking and chefs. Right. But how do you feel that that's changed the tattooing industry and also the next generation of young tattooers trying to get into the industry? Uh, it's very much the same. It's a double-edged sword. It's made everybody a lot more busy. It's brought a lot more people into tattooing, which is not always the best thing. I mean, it, it brings people who really should be there and really bring something to the table, and it brings people who are just in it for quick buck and some fame. Um, and the downside, though, I think if there really is a downside, it's that it's given people some unrealistic expectations about the process of tattooing because they think they walk in, it happens, you know, five minutes later, that sleeve's drawn and they can get tattooed. And, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of process. And really, I think, like at my level, the hardest part of the job, the, the most amount of work goes into everything that happens before the tattooing actually starts, all the drawing and design work and everything like that. You mean that. just like in the kitchen, it's called mise en place. Okay. Being ready. Yeah, being ready. Yeah. Having all your ducks in a row, having all your shit together. So you're okay. not scrambling to look for something. Right. You right. want to have all your pieces put together. You have to have the drawing right. The Absolutely. Arm, say it's a sleeve. You're, sure. You want to have arm measurements. Mm -hmm. and that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, we, you and I have been talking about correcting something right, that's right. on my hip. Right. And there's a bunch of process that needs to go in for that. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like with fixing something that, you know on yours is that dense black thing and it's going to need some lasering uh but thanks <laughs> my dense black donut <laughs> i you know i don't think i told you this but i had basically a dense black donut on my lower back like a tramp stamp uh and i did get it lasered <laughs> it was yeah. like a donut with a tail actually a donut with a tail yeah. okay i have a donut with sprinkles <laughs> that needs to get lasered before yeah. we put on my family crest yeah so what do you what are you looking for now when you're then you're when you're meeting with your customers. I mean, ultimately, your goal is to make your guests happy, just yeah. like it is in a restaurant. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, as weird as this sounds, I'm fortunate to be busy enough that I'm really looking for a positive connection with the person because I know I'm going to spend a lot of time with them. A, is their idea something that I can make into a great tattoo? Is it going to be a great process for uh, for me to get all of that pre-tattooing stuff done, the drawing and design work and everything. And then when I'm spending a lot of hours with that person, is it a person that I want to spend a lot of hours with? You know, you're tattooing, you're sitting halfway on top of people half the time. And, you know, it's, you get a feeling for people after 20 years, you get a feeling for what that person's going to be like. And maybe you need to refer them to someone else. I think that's a really interesting point. It's, you know, knowing your guest. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure it's the same for you. You can spot people walking in. You're like, oh, those people are going to be super hyped. And maybe those people are, they already are looking for something weird. I think it's an interesting, I mean, you also, one of the things about tattooing is, I would like to say, uh, from experience of having tattoos, is there's a lot of conversation happening. You're Absolutely. not just tattooing somebody. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure you've had some of the most bizarre conversations. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure people treat you like a therapist. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. It's kind of like going to the, you know, you hear about the hairstylist who's cutting hair and he's like, oh, my God, I heard about this marriage issue. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you hear it all. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've heard some really heavy stuff that bummed me out really bad and some really amazing stuff. But, yeah, in 20 years of doing it, I'm, it's amazing the stuff that, you know, you know my, my one of my good friends since high school is a clinical psychologist, and he said, when you're putting people in pain for a long period of time like that, it really breaks down a lot of the barriers and, you know, they, they'll tell you stuff that they wouldn't, they wouldn't necessarily, uh, you know, just in casual conversation. Interesting. Yeah. I would have never thought that. Huh. Yeah. So for someone who's going to get a tattoo for the first time, mm -hmm. 
what do you, what is your advice to them? I mean, you hear the thing like, don't drink too much coffee, don't drink alcohol. There's all those little tidbits, you know, and the alcohol and the coffee so you don't bleed so much. Right, right. right. And I think, but there's, I think there's bigger picture things other than just the basic physiological stuff that happens, you know? Um, And I'd love to hear your, your thought process on somebody getting their first tattoo. I would say the number one thing, you know, if you want something complicated or something that's more artistic than say just something very simple, like if you want your name in basic script, as long as the person's fairly competent, it doesn't really matter who you go to. But if you're looking at a piece of art, find a person who is the right person for the job. Um, you know, do your research, come into it like that. The other thing I would say is come into it a little open-minded. Don't be, you know, crazy specific. And I, I always, and this is ridiculous because I'm not a chef, but I always talk to people about food because everybody can relate to food. And, you know, and just like you wouldn't go to a restaurant and say, I want you to make me some sort of pasta dish and I want you to put this exact list of ingredients and here's every list of everything I've ever liked to eat. Put it all in one dish. And sometimes that happens, the whole kitchen sink and everything with tattooing. And, you know, I'll be I'll receive an email and then have a consultation with somebody and I'll be like, you want one tattoo and you have enough information in it for two sleeves like that's amazing yeah it's the and and that's almost like i'll i'll say it like when i was a young cook i was the one who was it was like more on the dish more on the plate more on the plate and it's it's about learning self-editing yeah same thing and and that's the same thing with like i get exactly what you're saying it's like if you come into it with that much how do you fit it all in and can you make that person ultimately happy right well, and can I make a good tattoo also, you know, be, just because it's all there and you can get it there. Is it going to be something beautiful? Is it going to be something that fits that person? And I really, I just work really hard to pare it down. And I think in one respect or, you know, maybe others also, but in this respect, our jobs are fairly similar in that a lot of elegance comes from simplicity when done correctly. And you know, I will tell people like, you've got eight things here. Let's take it down to the primary thing, the thing that's the most important to you. And then two or maybe three secondary elements so that it doesn't just become a mess or a, a weird patchwork quilt of, of stuff. <laughs> that's a really good point. I think when I've looked at your work and I'm, you know, I follow you on social media. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've known each other for years, but I've seen so many different pieces you've done. Yeah. And they're, I mean, come on, dude, they're massive. I've seen some really big, what was the one you just put up the other day? It was like someone's whole leg. Yeah, it was the whole leg. It was the whole leg. It was chrysanthemums and water, nothing else. And how many, just to give an example to somebody, when you start a piece of that caliber and that Mm -hmm. size, so let's just say, let's do a sleeve. Sure. Let's use let's just use a sleeve as an example. What is a timeline for you and how many, you know, I've had a piece that took three, four hour sittings Mm -hmm. and that it takes time if you want it right. If you want the lines crisp, if you don't want shaky, if you don't want messy. Right. right? And I think those are key words, right? right? Clean lines. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I see that all the time. And how many how many times have you seen tattoos that are just a mess? Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like they they're they're tattooing you on the worst hangover of the century. Right. <laughs> you know, there's no bullshit. I've done some really good tattoos when I was ready to barf. And I'm not advocating for that, but there's a couple of times like at conventions and stuff when I got completely shit house the night before and then I had to go tattoo and I did a really excellent tattoo. And I think it was because I put so much pressure on myself not to fuck up. I'm like, I'm such an asshole. I shouldn't have stayed out half the night getting drunk. And now I have to make it so much more amazing to compensate for my feeling of like, why did I do that? Why did I get so hammered? But yeah, I know I get the point. It looks, you know, when you, you know, it's got to be clean. It's got to be clean. And I think, so how long will it take? Let's just say start to finish to give somebody a real true understanding of timeline. Let's say from process of conversation, Mm -hmm. design work to finish sleeve. The conversation to design work, um, it can be 
it, that just kind of depends on the waiting list. Uh, just because when I have a consultation with someone, it might not be, it might be six to eight or more months before I actually do anything other than maybe I have some thought and I shoot them a text message. Hey, what about this thing? You know, I know it's coming up, but I'm just thinking about it. And then usually on the design work, I start about a week ahead of time. Um, just because that's when stuff comes up in the queue and a week gives me enough time to flesh out ideas and then make a clean drawing. Um, and then for a sleeve, you know, the drawing could be anywhere from just a couple hours to all day or more, depending on the subject matter and how versed I am in it and also how complex it is. And then as far as actual tattooing time, again, there's a lot of elements that can change that. It could be, as little as you know 15 to 18 hours for something i would do up to like 40 if it's fully colored and super complicated and a lot of rendering and um uh detail what's the longest what's the longest time you've worked on someone in one sitting uh 10 11 hours that's a long time yeah the one of the longest was definitely 10 hours and it was on a guy's throat <laughs> On a throat? Yeah. Ear to ear, a little bit up onto his face, which I don't normally do, but this guy was a special uh, circumstance. Ear to ear, collarbone, all the way around. That must have been extremely painful. It must have been. It was horrible. And I, like, by the end of it, I just felt like I was t torturing him. He had flown in from Spain and, uh, he was, we're going to do the whole thing, color start to finish in one day, super detailed biomechanical stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. And by the end, his throat was like this horrible sack of fluid. It was so swollen and oh, it was rough. He was a, he, that guy's just a savage. And now have you seen him since? Yeah. I've tattooed him again since, um, I have a friend in Chicago who we do a lot of collaborative work together. And so this fellow has been uh, coming out from Spain and I fly to Chicago and we meet in the middle and uh, my friend Marco Velasquez and I are doing a sleeve on him together. So yeah. And the tattoo healed great and there's no problems with it, but man, that takes a definitely unique person to do that. Yeah. This guy's he's a piercer, but he also, he's, one of those body mod guys who got implants all over his face and um, he does, you know, the real crazy scarification stuff. Um, and he also, interestingly enough, he fixes people's earlobes who've gotten them really stretched out and he's not a doctor, but he just does these amazing, which would in the U S amount to plastic surgery, almost like micro stitching. And he cuts out all the old scar tissue and, redoes it all together and they look phenomenal they look amazing like almost they haven't ever ever had their uh, earlobe all stretched out and weird wow yeah what's well, interesting that whole dynamics yeah kind of switching back and forth yeah yeah so let's kind of swing over a little bit here and 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 you do a lot of hunting i've mm -hmm. seen i i mean you and i were you were sharing photos with me when you were bow hunting in hawaii yeah yeah um and you know i think it's pretty incredible that you you're able to do that and you you've gone for many go out for many different animals and, yeah you know boar uh antelope goats 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 in hawaii yeah. um deer elk i mean i think that's and then that was what spawned that original conversation about you making salamis You're and right. such how you know is do you have a chest freezer are you going every season what what's oh what's yeah that about? i have an 18 cubic foot stand-up freezer and my goal is to be able to kill all the meat I want to eat for my wife and I for the year and then also be able to share some and like that. So I, I do my damnedest to fill it up. Uh, I think this year was the first year that I really succeeded. I'm, I, I'm going to make a big batch of sausage and salami later today, actually. And, uh, I was looking in that thing and I was like, man, hunting season's coming up. I got to go through some of this and, you know, so unless I want to eat chicken or go out to restaurants, I pretty much only eat uh, wild caught game. I think that's really interesting because you're you're truly living that world. Yeah, and, and you live in San Francisco. It's not like yeah. it's not like you're living in the country, right, right? And you're hunting and working off game meats. 
um, or you're living on a farm and you're only eating the animals you raise. Mm -hmm. That takes a lot of work. It does. It It's a lot of work. It's a lot of investment in time and money. And I don't think I'm saving any money by doing it. Um, but I feel good about it and I feel great about being part of the process. And also it's just really uh, cleansing spiritually, which I use loosely uh, and emotionally and mentally to get out in the mountains and hike and you know, even if you don't get anything, it's always an amazing experience to put that pack on and get out there. So when you, you're hunting, you're bow hunting, mm -hmm. you know, so you have to dress animal in the field. Yeah. Um, you save what organs you can. Mm -hmm. And then you're, you're packing it out. Absolutely. So big deer. Right. You're carrying that sucker over your shoulders. Well, yeah, you quarter them and, you know, front quarters and shoulders and hind quarters and all that, and then break it down and put it in uh, game bags and uh, take the heart and liver and everything and put it on your back. And, you know, if it's too big to carry in one, one trip, you hang it up high in trees, keep it in the shade and keep it in the wind. And uh, hopefully you, nothing comes and gathers it before you get back. Yeah. Well, you know, you want to keep it 15 feet or so off the ground, um, like hunting in Idaho that we, Last year, we heard wolves a bunch really close to us and stuff. So we didn't get anything last year, but, you know, the wolves are always on your mind. And so if you're going to hang something, again, you got to hang it with paracord and hoist it way up off the ground where nothing's going to get it. Wow. So you're making traditional salamis. Uh-huh. Um, and are you making with all different varieties of the game you're hunting? Are you doing boar and, yeah. and venison? And Yep, Ven boar, venison. Uh, some of my favorite stuff I've made was with uh, snow geese. Um pork fat, a little bit of like a pork shoulder, and then uh, a lot of snow geese. Oh, wow. Yeah. And for some reason, I'm, I don't really understand it. The snow geese gives it a little bit of a blue cheese kind of funk taste, like way more than anything else. You get this like cheesy flavor. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. People seem to really like it, but it's like if I do venison, it won't have it. If I do pork or boar, won't have it. Geese always has it. they always i mean they have a lot of fat mm -hmm. classically yeah and they're a pretty funky animal as it yeah is. yeah let's just be honest you right know, yeah there's you know waterfowl that mm -hmm. can get pretty funky yeah absolutely especially when they're shot you have quite a bit of blood yep left in that meat so it's going to give you that yeah and i usually give them a quick like an overnight brine and a a low salt solution um for so one night in brine to get the blood out and then one night in salt to get the blood out. So I'm not making stuff super salty when I put the measured out amount of salt per weight. See, and everybody thinks just chefs make salami. That's awesome. So I have a feeling that's going to be our, our conversation piece yeah. <laughs> when we're when we're working on my leg. Yeah. So what else are you seeing right now when you're getting people coming? You're having a lot of people come to you specifically for biomechanic the beautiful large pieces you're yeah. not doing as much small work yeah it comes and goes in phases a little bit and it tends to also follow what i promote on social media i mean the chrysanthemums are stunning yeah thank you they're so fucking gorgeous thanks yeah i, I, I don't know i've got a thing for chrysanthemums they're i don't know all those serpentine uh, petals uh they do it for me. I don't know why. It's like a it's like a growing sea anemone with yeah, all those yeah. little pieces, you know, yeah. those little uh, tubular right, leaves. Right. It's stunning. Yeah. I really like doing a lot of uh, floral pieces. Um, and I like it for two reasons. I just like it artistically. But I also, you get a certain clientele with doing biomechanical stuff. And it's limiting. It's limiting. It's very specific. And, uh, you know, and I, and I love those dudes and gals sometimes, but mostly dudes. But, you know, I'm sitting there tattooing a lot of metalhead dudes and stuff, doing biomech sleeves on them. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just want to tattoo some moms and, you know, soccer moms and just different people. So you can attract different crowds by promoting different stuff. And I really like that. And I really like meeting and talking to a variety of people. I think that's pretty, pretty incredible. The, the variation in which, you know, but it's both very detail oriented. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the chrysanthemum, what do you feel is more difficult for you to tattoo? Do you feel that the chrysanthemum is more difficult than the biomechanic? Um, they're just, they're just different because the biomechanical stuff, I do a lot of, like I pay attention to the light source and the rendering and stuff like that. And that's, 
that's mentally challenging uh, or taxing. Um, doing flowers and stuff like that, I'm less concerned about the lighting and everything like that and more concerned with making a clean, elegant tattoo that, and they're mostly on women. So when I'm doing that, I really want to make something that enhances that lady's body and, you know, like something that just enhances her beauty. Um, and with the biomechanical stuff, it's more about a transformative. I want to do something that causes uh, a transform transformative look to that person. Um, maybe I do something that makes the elbow look like less of a bulge and more of a pit or you know, something like that, or makes them look segmented and insectoid. So when you're, when you're understanding the ink mm -hmm. to the individual's pigment of skin, sure. how do you, how do you go through that? How do you figure those different things out? Because everybody's skin, of course, is yeah. going to react differently to sure. the ink, sure. right? But everybody's pigment of skin is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Or if somebody comes in with a suntan, yeah. how is it going to change when that suntan goes away? Right. So I think as, as a person who looks at tattoos and sees them on different folks, sure. how do you, as the artist, how do you like dictate how that's going to change? How can you foresee some of those changes with the skin pigment change and, yeah. and, and working? Because that's a lot to take in. It's not just, wow, this purple is going to look really great in this flower or right. this orange and red. It's like, okay, you're really tan now. How is it going to look when you're pasty white in the right. middle of the winter? H how do you figure those things out? Because that, that's something I've never understood. I mean, I never will because I don't get it. Right, sure. You know, the thing to me that I just – the one thing I really pay attention to is the person's baseline skin tone. Um if they come in and they're really tan, but I know that they're going to be pasty white in the winter, it doesn't make too much of a difference to me because I know that their baseline is going to go back to, to pale and pretty much everything works with pale. But if someone, you know, is like say Latin American or just a little, you know, darker skin tone, uh, the darker your skin tone, it's just warmer. And I try to be really careful about putting really pastel, cool colors in warm skin tone because uh, warm and warm colors mixed with cool colors generally makes muddy. And so if you have a person who has a really rich, warm skin tone and you put powder blue in them, it just can kind of get gray. And like you mentioned, purple, purple to me is the worst because you get a, a bad tan and you know, if the tan goes away, it can be okay. But a person whose baseline skin tone is really warm and then you mix some purple like a dark purple with some white and you get something kind of medium and then you tattoo it in them it can get really gray really fast and it, i don't like the way it looks so i just try and be really cognizant of where that's gonna go so when you when you have someone who you've done a piece on and somebody has an accident mm -hmm. or gets a cut sure how do you deal with, with issues like that? I have seen really amazing transformative tattoos of people who have had uh, breasts removed and they oh, had yeah, tattoos, which is, which is beautiful. Yeah. And it really makes people feel good about themselves. Yeah, it's important. How do you repair? I mean, I just recently burned the daylights out of, you I can see, that. see it. Yeah. But how does, how do you correct that? And you know, when somebody does like I saw, for instance, on this burn on my tattoo, I saw the skin come off. Mm-hmm in the shape and it was tattooed skin like it right. came off and it was the whole markings i'm like i don't know how deep that went so how right. do you how do you correct is that something that's correctable and that you can repair for people or or is that something that's it's too far beyond and you just have to do the best you can to kind of tie it back up uh it really depends on what happened um you know like with your burn or like I've gotten road rash skateboarding on my knees where I have tattoos. And it's amazing how much skin you can take off and the tattoo will, you know, over time kind of go back to looking okay. Even like, it looks like your arm's going to, you know, give it a, a month or so. It looks like it might need a little touch up, but it won't be too bad. Um, or it, even my sister-in-law got a really gnarly infection, uh, not related to the tattooing process, but during the healing, um, she got a really gnarly uh, infection and ended up in the Stanford wound care clinic overnight. And they had to debreed her 
part of her leg and yeah they scraped all the outer layer off and everything like that and the tattoo looks almost unaffected afterwards i don't even think she ever got it touched up or anything because it so that 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 leads into the next question how far down does the ink go into the epidural of the skin ideally it just sits right under the temporary layer and in the permanent layer it can be too deep you know if is that when you see scarring that is from overworking it um so going over stuff too much grinding it up can make a scar going too deep is when you see it blown out in the colored or blue haze around it and they've gone through the permanent layer into the fat and the fat doesn't contain the ink the way it normally the way the skin does so there's a lot more water and everything and it just blows out makes a cloud if you, if you ever see a tattoo with a big blue cloud around it that's what it was there's the science i mean there's a science to it right yeah i mean you see people and you hear of people training tattooing on pigskin mm -hmm. is that is that real or is that a farce you know i didn't do that i know that people do do that and i think that could give you a good feeling for handling the tools but i don't really think it would give you a realistic experience as far as tattooing a live human well i mean i definitely have to say if you if you ever meet somebody whose skin feels like a pig skin when I don't know how that relationship's going to move forward. Really well. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, sometimes on some knees, some people have some, or elbows, some pretty dry, crusty skin. Well, you, knees and elbows. Yes. But like the rest of you, I don't no, know. No, no, you, know, you definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely don't. Man, some of those knees, though, you got to turn it up and really hammer it to get the ink in there to stay. Oh, to go through from, to oh, get, man. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you really you really got to hit it sometimes. So let's give some, I really would love for you to give a little more insight to folks on, like, advice on how do you find a tattoo artist that suits mm -hmm. you? Mm -hmm. And then how do you take care of that tattoo? I think a lot of people, you know, Everybody talks about don't get sunburned, a lot right. of sunscreen. But I think those are really important things coming coming from you. Look, first off, let's talk about how do you find the right tattoo artist for the individual for that individual looking for a tattoo? What do you recommend people do to find that? Well, you could do it through social media or you could just do it the old-fashioned way on the internet with the website. Um, or That's changed the dynamic I know, of the right? industry, right? Yeah, absolutely. Social media more Instagram has changed tattooing unimaginably i think in a good way yes and no it's a, again it's like the tv stuff that's a double-edged sword um but just getting back to finding a, a good tattooer um you know you could go to your local shops look through all the portfolios and find somebody whose aesthetic uh matches what you want and then you know have a quick chat with that person you know hey is this bob's you know hey bob you know what do you think and you know Get tattooed by a person you like. I, I would always say that. Like, if someone rubs you the wrong way, even if you like their work, there's a lot of tattooers out there. You can, you can find another tattooer who you get along with and does just as good of work. Um, but or you can look on social media and find people who, you know, just hashtag tattoo or, I don't know, just start scrolling through stuff. But you know, find somebody whose aesthetic matches what you want. One thing that happens to me quite a bit is people look at a tattoo I do and they say, oh, I love his color. And then they come to me and they want a subject matter that I just wouldn't be good at doing. And I refer them to somebody else. You know, if, if I'm not confident in my ability to give them something nice, then, you know, I know I, I always know somebody who can and I send them their way. Um, but yeah, do your research, look online, you know, look at look up your local shops websites and look at their uh, portfolios online and then go check out the shop and, you know, talk to people and get a feel for the shop and and then take it from there. So with once you give you spent, let's just say you spent four hours on a session, mm -hmm. you've got two more sessions coming up. Sure. What do you recommend to that individual to take care of that tattoo? So when they come back for that next session. You're not having to fix what was already done. Right. Um, it's pretty simple. Uh, if the tattoo's well applied, they generally heal pretty well. Keep it clean. It's an open wound. You don't want to, you know, go get drunk and roll in, around in the dirt the next day. Or 
What is, I've heard don't go in a pool, chlorine pools. Yeah, just don't soak it in water. Just like, you know, if you've ever gotten a road rash on your knee or anything and then went swimming and they turn to weird jelly. It's gross. It's gross. Yeah. Your tattoo will do the same thing. Don't do that. Keep it clean. Um, you know, there's different thoughts on it and they, I think they both work equally well. Some people go for a really dry heel and that can eventually heal just as well. Um, it takes a little longer, uh, itchy can be, can be more itchy. Yeah. The dry heel is definitely more itchy. Yep. You don't want to scratch the shit out of it if it gets itchy. Um, you know, you can slap it a little bit or a little bit of lotion goes a long way as far as relieving some itch, but, um, yeah, keep it clean. I like to tell people, keep it a little moist, a little Neosporin a few times a day for the first three days. Uh, very little. Less is more in this case. And then after that, don't itch it when it's healing and put some lotion on it. Keep it out of the sun, especially in the first couple of weeks. So once the tattoo is completely healed and process is done, your guest has that dream piece. Mm -hmm. How do you maintain it as the receiver of that? After it's all healed, like I've always... I mean, I'm the worst, right? My wife yells at me. I don't put on enough sunscreen, but you know, colors fade, right? Yeah. Colors fade. And that's just part of living with a tattoo. Um, you can slow it down a little bit by wearing long sleeve shirts or lots of sunblock. And I'm like you, I do, I, you know, when I go out in the, the wilderness or out in the ocean, I'm, you know, I don't want to get sunburned. So I put sunblock on, but, but it washes off. It, it falls off. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah. I'm, I'm not the most anal about it. And you know, you just live with your tattoo and it, you are, you're aging and your tattoo is aging with you. And, you know, people say, oh, what are you going to do when you're old with that tattoo? Well, I'm going to be old and the tattoo is going to be old with me. <laughs> Have you seen? OK. So what is the worst one? What is the worst tattoo you've ever seen? And no, you can't say my hip. No, I, <laughs> I've seen worse than that. I've seen some really bad portraits. Uh where that they just look it, you know you, you you see the picture of the initial person say it's some kid and it looks like uh sloth from goonies <laughs> oh my goodness yeah, yeah. and and are they asking you to repair it uh or cover it cover it please cover this this yeah, is supposed this to be my doesn't... child yeah 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 <laughs> oh now what does somebody do with something i mean oh, i've got a up... good one actually okay. sorry to interrupt no so Oh man, this, I saw a portrait of Flavor Flav that looked like Beetlejuice, the mentally challenged dwarf from the Howard Stern show. My son was just showing me YouTube videos of that guy <laughs> as dressed as Beetlejuice. Yeah. A Flavor Flav portrait that looked a lot more like Beetlejuice than Flavor Flav. <laughs> What do you do? Like how? I, so how do you address that? Like how does that? Oh, this girl wanted that? to keep it. She thought it was hilarious. <laughs> That's horrible. Yeah, I can't imagine. I was like, it's Beetlejuice with a clock, like favorite flavor Flav, and she's like, no, it's supposed to be fucking flavor Flav, but it looks like Beetlejuice. <laughs> so she loved it. Yeah, she loved it. What What do you think of the? I, I'm curious as to your thought on this, and it. Um, and you don't have to answer it if you don't want, but. What do you think of this new phenomenon of people tattooing their face? Oh, I'm not into it. I mean, people, there, there's like what? What is the guy? Uh, B B Bones Malone tattooed. Oh, I'm, Post Malone. Post Malone. Yeah. Tattooed, yeah, that shows you how not related to the world I am right yes. now. That tattooed, I'm tired on his face. Yeah, I mean. Well, that's okay. Take a nap. You don't, need right. to, you don't need to put it or put a sticky note on your shirt that right. says I'm tired. I don't know. It's weird and it's attention seeking and. I, I think that's one of the downsides of social media is people want more and more and more and more attention and they do weird things to get attention and getting their face tattooed is, is one of those things. And it's becoming more and more socially acceptable, which blows me away. I don't get it at all, but I mean, I mean, and then we come from the era when having a tattoo was like, yeah, was not okay. Yeah. Right. You were either a sailor. Mm -hmm. You were a biker. Yeah. Or a gang member. Right? right. Like that's what it was when I was at least. Yeah. A or kid. military guys. Or military guys. Yeah. And I think that is an interesting. Are there things that you say you draw the line? I will not tattoo palms of hands or faces or what is your what is your line? Um, 
unless Every, you have a relationship with somebody right. you feel comfortable there, with everything it. has a little bit of a gray area but i will almost never tattoo someone's face they have to be somebody who's tattooed head to toe already and if they want something on their face i still probably won't do it but there's a possibility there um you know like the guy from spain this guy's well well known in his industry he's out there already I'm not going to ruin his life by putting a little bit of tattooing on his face. But you're not going to tattoo an 18-year-old kid who says he wants an ice cream cone next to his... Hell no. I mean, I some kid that comes in that wants a tattoo on the top of his hand or his knuckles, I generally don't do it. I just don't feel that I'm bettering society by doing that. And, you know, I'm not always bettering society just making tattoos on people in general. But when some kid comes in, he's young or she, it happens just as much with girls. They want something on their hands. I just don't want to do it. I don't feel right about it, so I don't. I mean, it's everybody's choice. Yeah, absolutely. But it's also your choice to, to not do yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I and mean, everybody it, has lines they draw. Right. And I think that's really important. Um, but I think it is a big cultural phenomenon right now. Absolutely. Face, hands. Um, I see a lot of mustaches on fingers. <laughs> Right? Have you seen yeah, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are pretty funny. I think those are those funny. Are, those are fading out a little bit. Um, but like, remember the old the knuckle days? Right. Right. What was like hard or something? Hard yeah, two fast, words. Hard two words fast on the knuckle. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, who am I to judge? I mean, yeah. I've had tattoos. You know, since Jason I was in Portland, he has. Uh, oh no, he doesn't. I was thinking of somebody else. Somebody has food is love. So food on the four fingers is on the two thumbs, and love on the. Oh, that's cool. Hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's I thought, cool. I really love that. I think there's, I mean, I think it's a very, tattooing is a very powerful medium. Absolutely. Um, it's a very personal thing. Mm -hmm. I've always lived by the rule of if I can't explain it to my grandchildren, then I don't think it's worth putting on me. Sure. Yeah. That's, that, that's just my rule. That's and a good guideline. And I, and I think, you know, my son right now is like, I want a tattoo. Can I, can I get a tattoo? Can you sign the paperwork for me to get a tattoo? Oh, it's not. He, he, there's no paperwork. It's just not legal. In this state. It's see, there you go, Easton. You cannot have a tattoo. Yeah. In the state of California until you're eighteen. Eighteen, yeah. Eighteen. So it doesn't matter if mom and I sign the document. Yeah, you can't take him to the bar and tell the bartender it's okay to pour him a drink with you. And uh, you can't take him to the tattoo shop. There we go. Problem solved in my house. Yes. He's been wanting he's been asking. I'm like, what are you gonna get? I don't know, he comes up with the weirdest name. But I think it's 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 a very you know, I'm sure you can point out to everything you have mm -hmm. and it has a time, mm -hmm. a place mm -hmm. and a moment. Mm -hmm. I think that's powerful. Yeah. I mean, for me, some of those times and places are just the art and the person I wanted to get tattooed by. Yeah. yeah. But it's still important. It yeah. has relevance. Oh, absolutely. Whereas a lot of people, I mean, I was in college. Right. Right. I remember, oh right. man, we're going to get tattooed. And you'd come and be like, what is that? Calvin and Hobbes? Right. You know, and it's that's cool they got it right but now they're like oh should have got something else right and i think it's got to have longevity and lasting power in my mind but yeah. whatever makes people happy they just have to remember you're gonna live with it right and yeah. the lasering process is well and lasering is so good now i think it, i i like the lasering and i'm for it but also i think it gives people a sense of safety net a safety net or impermanence like the tattoo can almost be disposable and one of the really huge trends right now which just completely drives me nuts is really fine line really hyper detailed tiny tattoos and they just don't last at all they look like shit and i saw the other day a person with literally look like a book a page of a book uh -huh. all the words tattooed down their side it was at the beach yeah and how long i mean that's something that's going to fade pretty quick because it's small detail line work right yeah fine print i mean if it looks weird from 15 feet back, if it just doesn't look like a lot when it's brand new, it's not going to look like a lot down the road. That's pretty crazy. I think that's an interesting dynamic to think about. Yeah, but yeah, people are really, you know, for me, like the micro tattoo thing, it's like, it's a very safe way of dipping your toe in the water, you know, and, but you can get this really fancy thing, even though it just doesn't really have any longevity. I don't know. I don't, I hate it personally. <laughs> I mean, it's, I think I'm it's good. It right I now. think if you're willing to find the right artist, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. to find the right piece, have the conversation and commit, mm-hmm. you're going to have a better experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can pick everything that I have and know where it came from and who did it and, and the meanings. Yeah. I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're talking about getting this, this piece corrected. And yeah. um, I think that that's powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, tattoos are powerful. You're, and it's a, it's art. I mean, now we're seeing it went from a time when you would have the catwalk in all the different what is it uh, in New York when they do the big fashion week, right, right? right? You would never see someone with a tattoo. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now uh, there was a woman, I think it was like three four years ago, who's who has no hair and the back of her neck is tattooed up into her head and full sleeve, mm-hmm. beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And it actually accentuates the clothing. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I think that's amazing. Like, yeah. it's, you're a walking piece of art by that tattoo artist. And that's the way I view the art and how the direction it's gone over the years. Yeah. For sure. You have the classic, right? I mean, and how would you, how would you categorize tattooing? I think that's a really thing you hear like there's classic, there's traditional, American, traditional, I think what you're, yeah, like to. sailor art, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then how, what, how would you categorize it? Cause there's new categories coming in all the time. Yeah. I mean, there's so many now, I mean, but just the basics, there's the traditional American stuff and even the traditional American stuff has really evolved with the, the style and the finesse with which people apply it. Um, and then there's the, like there's the nineties blade tribal stuff, but which really comes from a lot of Polynesian and Maori, Maori Pacific Islander stuff. And there's guys now just that just blow my mind. It's actually one of my favorite things to follow on social media is the, the guys doing beautiful Polynesian work. And that's the tap and drag traditional. Well, there's the, the, they they do the tapping, um, but also just guys just doing it with tattoo machines, the, you know, standard tattooing style, but doing the, doing the, traditional polynesian or pacific islander artwork wow um there's just good old illustrative work just doing tattoos of really beautifully illustrated things um and that can kind of go in any direction and then there's the 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 ever classic uh japanese stuff and you know the japanese stuff has its own subcategories too whether it be stuff that looks more like uh Japanese woodblock prints or stuff that looks more like traditional Japanese tattoo art, but there's every level of that and people do it amazingly well. Um, the thing that I'm most known for is the biomechanical stuff, which is a bit illustrative, but it goes back to the HR Giger alien stuff and, um, transformative, uh, weird alien stuff that yeah. Alien, that movie scared the darts out of me. Me too. When that thing, when it peels out, like towards the end in the capsule, when it peels out from the mechanical stuff, still really affects me. (laughs) It's so creepy. My wife sent me a picture the other day of a guy who turned his CPAP mask into the creature that like that inserts the the egg in its mouth. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that is nasty. There's no way. (laughs) That's amazing. It's horrifying. Why would you want that? Like, can you imagine waking up and looking at someone and that's sitting on their (laughs) face? And you're like, oh. <laughs> you look over at your wife and there she is with an alien. With an alien, like trying to see her. It's yeah. so gnarly. Yeah. Oh, so gross. So what's next for you? Are you going to be, are, do you do conventions? Do you do? I do a few conventions. Uh, I do the local one, the um, the Bay Area convention of the tattoo arts. Usually it's uh, the third weekend in October every year at the Hyatt down by the airport. Cool. Um, I love the Salt Lake City uh, Utah convention. Um, I've done that every year with a few friends from Warhorse Tattoo over in Berkeley. Um, I do a little bit of traveling, like you mentioned, Chicago. I go to Chicago once or twice a year, and I do that just to see friends. And I have a, a really great friend out there who I love to work with, so I go work with him. Um, and you tattooed my buddy Ryan. Yeah, no, I haven't tattooed your buddy Ryan. Yeah, I thought you did tattoo him last time. Oh no, you went to eat at Blackbird. No, I went to eat at Blackbird. Uh, I tattooed a guy recently who was a sous chef for him for a while, though. Um, but no, I, I've eaten at Blackbird and hung out with Ryan a little bit. Um, and then hunting season's coming up. I got a big trip to Idaho planned. I'm really excited about. Nice. Yeah. Um, so that's about it. All right. So I ask everybody these things. Sure. Okay. Red or white? Red. Beer, tequila. Ooh. 
Tecate. <laughs> there you go. Answer is done. Okay. Truffle, white or black? Oh, uh, I'm not that familiar with truffles, to be honest. They're there delicious. There you go. I've had more black than white, so I would say white just for something new. Um, okay. So do you like nigiri or sashimi? Oh, nigiri. Okay. Yeah. Um, hamburger or hot dog? Hamburger. Pepperoni or cheese? Pepperoni. <laughs> sea urchin or caviar? Sea urchin. I love it. It's uh, fun. Uni it's uni all the way. It's fun yeah. to see everybody's different answers, you yeah. know? Um, coffee or tea? Coffee. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I like tea a lot, but... It has its time and place. Yeah. Definitely. I, I usually want more caffeine. Dessert or cheese? Cheese. Except for sometimes ice cream. Something. Well, that's kind of in the cheese family. <laughs> no, I love cheese. Cheese is rad. Yeah. It's good. Uh, we just got some British cheddar with a little calcium crystals in it, and it was a really sweet. That was amazing. Oh, wow. That sounds yeah, great. I, uh, amazingly enough, it was from Costco, too. But I wonder who, which uh, which maker it was. The stuff's incredible. Yeah, it said, it said British cheddar with a surprisingly sweet flavor and calcium crystals formed by or, or crystals formed by the development of calcium in the aging process. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it was really fantastic. When I the first bite, I was blown away. Awesome. Any um, any other artist that you want to give a shout out to that you think is great? Well, I'd love to give a shout out to the shop I work for. Yeah, um, I work for Seventh Sun Tattoo here in San Francisco. Um, it's owned by Luke Stewart one of the best Japanese style tattoo artists out there. Um, we have a great crew of people and, you know, come down and visit us. Um, otherwise, Marco Velasquez in Chicago. Um, few people who really inspire me is Rob Noseworthy in Nanaimo, Canada, out on Vancouver Island, which I mentioned earlier. Um, Aaron Kane makes all my tattoo machines. He's an incredible tattooer, one of the most innovative and intelligent people I've ever met in tattooing. And um, his Instagram is Kane Forge. Uh, so he makes your actual tattoo guns? He makes my equipment, yeah. Oh, wow. He, he barely tattoos at all anymore. Um, but he grinds away at metal all day, every day. He makes knives once in a while. He's one of the most brilliant people ever. Awesome. Yeah. That's um, cool. And my wife, Rhiannon, is way smarter than me. <laughs> I have seen her shoot a bow. She can shoot a bow. She can shoot a bow. And that's actually what's really interesting is you, living in San Francisco, you have that opportunity to go right into Golden Gate Park. Oh, man. The Bay Area is so full of amazing archers and archery opportunities. If anybody has any, any interest in archery, um, this is a great place to be. It's so cool because I've I've been down. I've ridden by the archery. Mm -hmm. Actually, a lot of times you'll see people sneaking by on bikes. Mm -hmm. If you're shooting at the targets, we're always coming out on the left-hand side. Um, it makes us nervous. Yeah. As soon as the first person comes out and sees the archery, it's like a cacaw goes out and everybody goes straight to the road. Oh, man, you got to get your wife. It will take you out to the range in Pacifica. And my wife and I, we have extra bows that will suit both of you. And we'll give you a lesson, teach you how to shoot compound bows. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. I'd love I mean, for me, I've been hunting once. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been hunting twice. Um, but I think the actual hunting with a bow to me is... I think it's a super challenge. Oh yeah. But also I think it evens the playing field dramatically. Yeah. You, it's a lot more work. It's a lot more work. And I think yeah. I have a, a lot of respect for yeah. that. A lot of respect. Yeah. And, and just the sport of archery is it's no joke is fantastic. And you know, and my wife doesn't hunt she has no interest in it. She likes to eat game meat, but killing an animal uh, is not for her, but we, we get out there most weekends and it's a great thing we can do together. And we've gotten some of our friends and in, involved in it and it's really fun. What's your favorite game meat to eat out of everything? And it, even if you didn't hunt it, what is your favorite flavor profile of game meat? Uh, far as mammals go, I would say elk um, and geese. I mean, geese are birds, but. Yeah, but they're beautiful. I mean, it's still yeah. hunted. Oh, it's still and hunted. they're just so delicious. There's a great new book out that you should check out for uh, by Chef Jeremy Charles. Uh, he's in Newfoundland. 
Uh, it's called Wilderness, and he's a big hunter. In Newfoundland, you can hunt and serve the animals in your restaurant. Oh, wow. It's one of the only few places yeah. you can still do that. But he talks about aging meat and beeswax for 100 days. So uh, oh. you should check that book out. It's really, really Yeah, I'm going to cool. have to write that down. Yeah, it's super rad. Uh, so much information and so much knowledge he has yeah. to share in there. So Yeah, I've been doing a lot of wet aging with venison roasts and stuff like that. You can get beeswax uh, at the it. farmer's market and coat it and hang it and it ages. And it doesn't shrink. And There's wow. a lot of information in there for you. Yeah, you should see. I, so I'll age like a venison backstrap and then I'll put it with a little bit of uh, Vietnamese fish sauce and olive oil in a Ziploc bag and I take it to work. And then I have a cookie tin and I sit out there with a propane torch on the sidewalk <laughs> and I see I was out there, you know, for my lunch, I sear, sear venison uh, and then slice it up and I'll eat it with a little salad or some kimchi or something like that. But I was standing around on the sidewalk with the torch roaring away. I got to get you a sears all. It'll cook. I have one. You have one. Yeah, okay, no, good. with the sears all. Yeah. That's what yeah, you're yeah. cooking it with yeah. out front. See, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. See, so who, see, there's the point, you know, food transcends everything. Yeah. It's a very powerful medium, just like tattooing. Yeah. Thank you very much for taking time out of your day. Yeah. Thanks happy, for having me. Happy to have you. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting my leg worked on. And yeah. actually, we get to schedule that once we're done now. Yeah, for sure, man. All right. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks.